Hello, it's Beth Kempton, author of Freedom Seeker and founder of Do What You Love. Welcome to the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. If you're new here, you can find out more about me and my work at bethkempton.com. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles is a place for brave stories, real inspiration, actionable advice, and great conversations. So many of us build lives that end up trapping us, chasing the kind of success that doesn't actually make us happy, until one day we eventually realize that enough is enough. We want to do things our way. We want to manifest our own happiness. We want to escape, make our own rules, and fly free. Because deep down we know it's in flying free that we fulfill our true potential and we really come alive. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles podcast is a regular dose of escape elixir to reignite that desire and light the way. I define freedom as the willingness and ability to choose your path and live life as your true self. In this podcast, the stories will inspire that willingness and in my book, Freedom Seeker, you'll find all the tools you need for that ability. The rest is up to you. If you haven't yet read my book, you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble and all good independent bookstores. It's the perfect companion to this podcast. And if you've read it and you're here for more inspiring stories, welcome friend, you're in for a treat. So let's dive in. Today's guest, Rebecca Hughes, is an adventurer through and through. She co-founded the Women's Adventure Expo in 2015 with her sister Tanya John and has since brought hundreds of women together to celebrate and raise awareness of female adventure and exploration. I think you're going to find this episode really inspiring. Rebecca gives some great tips on how to access adventure wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, and got me fired up to climb more trees and go wild camping. She also gave me some really great parenting advice, so stay tuned for that one. Let's imagine we're next to a crackling bonfire listening to this one. Thanks so much for being here, Rebecca. You're welcome. It's, it's great to talk to you. Thank you. Well, we're going to just dive straight in and talk about adventure because you've built a whole business on adventure. So tell us, what does that word mean to you? Do you know, I, I think... One of the best things is a very simple thing that I heard describing adventure recently, actually. Um, and I've heard it before, but it really resonated recently when I heard Jess Pearson, who's a brilliant filmmaker, making a set of films about women's adventure. And she said, adventure is a frame of mind. And it, it really is that simple because you can have adventures across the board in, in so many different genres. And for us, we're using outdoor adventure as um health and safety mechanism for empowering women but adventure can be in business which I've had adventure can be in your love which I've had you know and your family and you and everything it's it's very much a frame of mind well now I really want to ask you questions (laughs) tell us about your adventures in love (laughs) too long (laughs) so have you always been adventurous in your approach to life um I think within, if you take adventure as an outdoor adventure, um, I think you you get two different, slightly different personality types. And you have um, the adventurers who are maybe quite sporty and competitive and, um, you know, they're driven by doing something for the first time or um, doing it faster or getting higher. Um, And then you have adventurers who are real explorers and they're curious and what drives them is slightly different. And 
Um, interestingly, my sister and I are probably slightly one of each. My sister is, is much more sporty than I am, and she's um, done a huge amount and experienced a huge amount more with adventure sport. I'm definitely more the explorer type, the curious one who um, wants to know what's around the corner and, and, you know, that old haunted house on the hill, what's it like inside? You know, I'm, I'm much more the explorer type adventurer. So I, um, I love things that it like urban exploring, you know, that's, that's a, a lovely thing that I love doing as well. So I love that. I've never thought about it in that way. It's so obvious. I mean, I've all, I will always seen myself as an adventurer and I say it's in my DNA, but never mm. ever felt compelled to climb up a mountain apart from wanting to see the view like the idea of oh I have to do that one and then that one because that one's higher is just never registered with me and that's so interesting thing yeah. of course yes if if you're like if it's about the sport and the um not so much the achievement but like pushing yourself and seeing what you're capable of yeah. um that's a very mm. different kind of challenge isn't it to finding out what's around the corner and exploring yeah. the world and it's it's interesting because if you're the if you're the first type the kind of sporty one then you have a set goal and you kind of reach it or you don't I guess whereas if you're an explorer you don't know where you're going so you don't know if you got there right and it I guess it's much I mean I'm sure they're both about the journey themselves um but what what do you think you've learned along the way in your looking for the house on the hill um I mean it's interesting you said you know adventure about the journey there and that's that's definitely something I think that resonates slightly more with women than men um, in that uh, if you were undertaking an adventure, women are very keen to um, go on that journey that actually the adventure is very much within them as well. It is what is possible for me. What am I going to learn from this? What am I going to achieve from this? Um, pushing internal boundaries as well as um, setting records and things. And I think women naturally migrate more to that style of adventure um i'm not sure if that answers your question actually yeah, it's, but, uh, it's really interesting because if you're going for a challenge with like a set goal a time or a distance or whatever it's almost easier to talk about you know i'm raising money for charity and i'm going to climb this mountain or whatever whereas they're both equally as valuable aren't they depending on what it is you want to discover about yourself yeah, absolutely. And I guess this, you know, goes back to your original question and, and what is adventure? And it's, it's a huge subject. <laughs> um, and it, there is external motivation, there's internal motivation, and they're always mixed up. You always get, for everybody, you get a package of, of motivations. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a frame of mind, definitely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, in, in my book, Freedom Seeker, we, I talk about how when I feel when I felt trapped in the past, sometimes adventures felt like a long ago luxury, like something I used to do and now I can think about and reflect on. And that's very much when adventure is a travel thing, you know, far away travel. Um, and I don't think that anymore. But at the time when I was feeling stressed out, exhausted, overwhelmed, and my life was full of, um, you know, dealing with business and children and all those things and not much time for me, I very much felt like adventure was something I used to do. Um, and then discovered that actually adventure and aliveness are something of a freedom key for me like I have to find that in my life to feel free again um and that can be in any sense of the word adventure and, and you know mm. if you're very heavily pregnant probably doesn't mean jumping on a plane to go somewhere far away but you can certainly seek out adventures in the everyday have you ever felt trapped at some point and found adventure as, as a kind of key to getting you out absolutely I mean um 
you know, if we look back when I started um, my business that sort of uh, pivoted into, uh, into the Women's Adventure Expo, um, it's starting a business and being an entrepreneur, as anyone will tell you has done it, is a colossal amount of work. And you, you give up your reasonably houred and paid job to work extended hours for less pay for a long time. And it's easy for that to become quite a demoralizing um, experience when you're doing it day in, day out all the time and and, and facing all the, the mental challenges as well as the, the physical workload that has to be done. Um, and certainly I, I remember back when I started my business and, you know, was working all hours um, to be able to give myself a little bit of time where I could go away and explore something was it was utter freedom because you 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 come away completely from the the mindsets that you're you're in with work and you your whole um, sensory processing everything becomes completely different and just immersing yourself in a different environment one with challenge risk and so on it it, it brings things maybe back down to the bone and and you start experiencing adventure and that feels like utter freedom from probably everything that you have going on in the rest of your life and takes you and transports you away and um I think I think psychologically that yeah freedom's a good word definitely and you mentioned risk there it's interesting because sometimes when we get super busy and hyper organized our lives can become a little bit clinical and that element Mm. of risk how important is that do you think within that adventure mindset very, I think. Um, risk is, you know, there's a lot of talk about children not having enough risk management now and actually getting them outside and getting them to manage risks um, on a daily basis and just more frequently is a good thing. But I think it's it's great for adults too. Adults often live in quite a sterilized lifestyle um, and convenient lifestyle. And you learn huge amounts about yourself very, very quickly. It's accelerated self-learning when you're managing risks. Um, and, you know, you, you're going to make mistakes, but you learn from those too. So the, the learning curve never stops with risk. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say most people don't really take risks when they're um, just out on general adventure. I'm not talking about epic sort of expeditions. Most people don't take risks that are going to um, be sort of life-changing. But the small... The small risks um, that someone can feel like they're taking, even when they're just out wild camping and hiking for a weekend, those those risks and that risk management adds um, a self responsibility that is it's just very good. It's very good to take responsibility for what happens and deal with the consequences. And if risk gives you that opportunity, um, that's a holistically, I think, very good for confidence building and so on. And to push your the boundaries of your comfort zone out because once you've pushed them out they don't bounce back all the way to where they were do they it just gets bigger and bigger so even those tiny little risks that almost maybe they're calculated at the beginning maybe to some extent you feel like you can manage them but it's a little bit scary that's a really good place to start isn't it absolutely absolutely I mean pushing risk is, is key in pushing boundaries just as you said and you know we don't learn what we're capable of until we push the boundaries and so often in life, you know, things are thrown at us that we haven't wanted. We get experiences we didn't want, and then we learn we're capable of dealing with more. But actually, to self-induce a little bit of risk to learn what you're capable of um, is something we probably all should be doing much more regularly. Definitely. Can you? Do you go wild camping often? 
Um, my partner and I have actually really started to get into it recently. So um, we were up on Dartmoor um, a couple of weeks ago, actually, and we very luckily saw the, the park ranger there, actually, Dartmoor Park Ranger, and we were chatting with him for quite a while um, about some of the the good things and the bad things about wild camping. It's, um, it, you know, it was more called hiking and backpacking on Dartmoor um, a, few, uh, a little while ago, and now wild camping is a slightly more modern term. Um but it was great to talk to him and he sort of sent us off onto the moors and we found some great spaces. And um, it's actually, we just find it a very relaxing thing to do, very self-sufficient. Um, every time completely changes, you know, you, you go out and because you're making things um, for yourself, you're setting up camp. Um, my partner really loves bushcraft. So um, there's a lot of manual work, I suppose, in setting up camp. Um, and it just slows life right down. You, your whole time scale changes and you're busy the whole time. You're collecting wood, you're doing things, but um, you, you have time to just sit in a hammock maybe and, and relax as well. So it's, I think that's what we love. It's just the way it changes the pace of life, definitely. Yeah, and, and I often think that it, once you, if you're, if you're feeling trapped and you're in a cage of the, the things like guilt and fear and worries and all the stuff that you know our responses to our daily lives that often feels you know makes us feel like our our lives have shrunk somehow and that we're stuck um then take rather than necessarily having to deal with all those things but letting your mind go somewhere where they don't get any attention can be really really powerful Mm -hmm. and what you just described there felt exactly like that so there's the busyness of the stuff you have to do to make your dinner that night (laughs) collecting the wood and building the fire and cooking it and all those things as well as the relaxation from not checking your phone and not being Mm -hmm. caught up in all the things you need to do back home and stuff so it's kind of like a two-pace reset it's Mm. Mm, absolutely i need to get myself some wild camping (laughs) and and if you go for more than three nights your your body clock will start completely adjusting with the light and daylight and that that's really good for you as well so so you wake up earlier i guess and go to bed earlier yeah um and the fresh air i mean you're tireder without a doubt yeah um, yeah, nothing quite like the waking up to the sound of the forest sounds amazing so what about your teenagers do you encourage them yeah, to do the same? Um, 14 and 17. And um, they both go to local schools around here. So our, our life is uh, it's, it's all based within the sort of local community. Um, they, I've brought them up to be able to jump out the back garden fence. And we're lucky we live in a country, actually. I, I, um, very, very lucky we have an orchard one side and farmland on the other side of the house. And they've been very fortunate and they do love being able to just go out walk up the lane uh, we've got a set of old world war ii bunkers in our village actually that sort of go across the farmland and they just love exploring those with their friends and um certainly being outside has been a key part to their life and they would really miss that if we had to move to a town or a city um one of the adventures I, I remember quite clearly with them we would, there's a large forestry commission a few miles away and we would uh, especially when they were smaller, we would go up and, and make sort of dens and camps and things in the wood. And we climbed up to the top of the, the ridge um, on one particular afternoon and found the tallest tree that we could and, and climbed to the top. And um, I think my youngest was probably only about nine then. And again, that's maybe something most mothers wouldn't advocate is getting their kids to climb up to the top of the tree. Um, but 
you know, that, that's something they're never going to forget. And, and the view when they get to the top, um, it's, it's about life experience that um, is holistic in mentally, physically, and so on, um, as we sort of touched on earlier. So I've always encouraged them to get out and have adventures. Um, my youngest has broken his wrist while climbing a tree. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's, he's climbed many, many trees and only, only fallen once. But I think that's something that's going to stay with them for the rest of their lives anyway. And they, they're both quite keen on working outdoors when they're grown up as well. It's so good to hear because my children are really young, you know, to nearly two and three and I often have this kind of dilemma where I just really really want them to be you know adventurous and bold if that's what they want to be you know not trying to enforce anything on them but to allow them to be that if they want but I also can't help myself going mind it you know mind the door mind the you know the wall don't climb too high and then as soon as I do I stop myself going you can't get them to be like that if you don't let them make their own mistakes but it's really hard when they're little and you don't want them to hurt themselves so I, I love the fact that your your boys have obviously completely taken that on and you know to hear that teenagers don't want to leave the countryside um because they just love running free is is amazing and I really hope that I can create that for my girls so any parenting oh. advice you have at the moment that I'm going don't climb up that seven <laughs> foot wall when you're only three foot tall <laughs> climbing is incredibly natural for kids actually and I've, I've been involved in the climbing industry in the past and um I've, I've done a bit of research on this and and actually babies I think start climbing as naturally as they start walking and you know it, we start telling babies and children not to climb or don't do that don't do this very early on and it's very interesting with some parents who haven't done that um how accomplished a two-year-old child can be at climbing and and then you start to realize how naturally they're moving and um i I, I do think small children and babies have the ability to sort of grow in climbing just as they do walking and um it's quite incredible um so next time she's scaling the bookshelf I'll just take a deep breath and let it go on with it. <laughs> might just have a spotting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be ready to it's catch her. As you say, no parent wants their child to be hurt or injured. Um, and that's why we stop them. And it's finding the balance. It's, it's got to be something that's quite unique. And you do have to take over the risk assessment at you know when they're that age because that risk doesn't come into it. That's not what they're thinking about. They're just thinking about the goal. Of, I'm going to get to the top. Mm. Um, I think being ready to but, catch them is a really good general approach, actually, because that assumes that you know you're giving them the space to have a go, but there's yeah. you know a little bit of a safety net because if they've never done it before, so they don't know what happens if they let go. You know, yeah. so. I shall be ready my to catch youngest, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, my youngest used to climb door frames to sort of his hands behind oh. him on one side of the door frame, his feet out on the other side of the door frame. He'd quite frequently sort of shimmy to the top. Now, he became very accomplished at this, and I didn't need to stand there. But to begin with, I would kind of just be there ready with my hands out. Um, and he never did fall, actually. But, um, yeah, it's it was fun. Um, and I, I think... I think that's a lot to do with it. If a child is climbing and they, they're they not doing it in a negative frame of mind, they're not doing it from fear or so on, and they're, they're fun and they're enjoying it, it's amazing how much they hone um, the, the mental ability to focus on what they're doing um, and the balance and the and everything works with that. Um, so, yeah, I think there, there are lots and lots of climbing walls in the UK. I mean, wherever you live 
in the UK, you're going to have a city with a climbing wall, but there are sort of smaller satellite climbing walls in small towns and things in leisure centres. Um, they've, they've really increased in the last sort of 10 years. So if anybody's listening to this and they, they do want their child to climb, but want some sort of supervision and lessons, then look up a local climbing wall. That's a great idea. Brilliant. So you clearly have adventure in your bones. Tell us about the Women's Adventure Expo that you set up with your sister. How did that come about? Right. Well, um, my sister and I have actually had very different sorts of careers for the last sort of 20 years. Um, I've worked in marketing and my sister's um, worked in a completely different um, uh, area. And we were having a conversation in summer 2015 and um, I was marketing adventurers and explorers through my business. And um, my sister was um, overseeing a lot of um, different she, – she was partaking in quite a lot of adventure sport, but she was also um, overseeing different groups um, through travel and expedition. And, you know, we knew that the actual market for adventure and the participation of um, outdoor pursuits, activity centers and, and ex- expedition companies um there wasn't quite a half and half in some areas some areas it was half male half female but um there were a huge amount more women in doing these adventures and and participating in adventures than you would actually realize if you were to listen to say just the media or look at tv or look at you know magazine articles um in the outdoor industry and it it certainly um the outdoor industry gave the impression of being male dominated without a doubt um so we wanted to kind of do something that would give all the women that we knew of that were there um more of a home more of a hub somewhere to to meet and um explore adventure together but also there we also knew of a huge amount of very very accomplished female explorers and adventurers and a certain few had got the limelight but compared to how many were actually out there doing incredible things um, not many of them had been really represented. So we wanted to create a platform as well that really championed and celebrated female adventure and exploration um, and travel and really put it on the map and gave it the celebration it deserved. Um, now, after having this sort of conversation where we said, you know, there just needs to be more for women, uh, we very quickly decided to to do something about it. And I think it was only a week or two later, we'd paid a deposit on um, a good venue in Bristol and we launched our plans to have a Women's Adventure Expo. Um, Now that was in the summer and it was November was the first Women's Adventure Expo. And leading up to that, we very quickly realized by the response we had of, of women coming forward and saying, wow, you know, I've been waiting so long for this. I can't believe it's taken so long. We're so excited about this. The, the positivity was just electric. Um, so we knew we, we had a responsibility now to keep this going. <laughs> um, we had and we built up the first Women's Adventure Expo and the atmosphere was fantastic to have 200 women in a room and we have some men as well we, we are open to men and you know it's great to have some brave men <laughs> there for the first one um but to be um in a room with so many women who want nothing more than to encourage one another and empower one another to explore more to push further to develop themselves um in its you you feel like you're in an up cycle if you like of positivity um and it's a very electric kind of atmosphere um now as that kind of 
materialized we we knew we needed to do more and we we quickly sort of started memberships and started planning for the next event as well um in 2016 but we also wanted to um look at our legal structure and how we performed as a business and um how we could make the company or give the company um and the organization um, ethics that were sort of ingrained in stone into the business, if you like. Um, so we became a CIC, a community interest company. And in doing so, we kind of wrote into the company core that we our mission was to make adventure accessible and inclusive to all women. Um, so it's always been in our heart to look at women from disadvantaged minority groups, be that age, teenage pregnancy, ethnic minorities, um, even uh, sex trafficking. There's there's so many different groups of women in society that cannot um, access adventure or it's very difficult for them to access adventure, um, even if it's just a perceived self-limiting belief. Um, so um, our work sort of as a as a CIC or a social enterprise model picks up that as well. So we, as well as running the events, which um, are open to women and empowering, inspiring, we have this uh, core value where we're actually reaching out and offering a, more adventure to more women as well. Um, are you actually delivering the adventure for them or are you putting them in touch with organisations that do that? We're more of a... a yeah, a partner. Um, so it's a partner system and we're exploring and working on, on ways to do that now. So we'll be launching um, projects soon that will um, materialise all, all those things that I've just been saying as well. Um, but I, I can come on to the projects in a moment anyway, rather than sway your interview in that direction no, right now. It's, it's really, really interesting. So I just want to talk a bit about the event because um, I, you know, I, I saw it going on. It looked amazing. Um, and I've seen the um, videos of everyone at the event having an amazing time. Yep. Um, so the people that you put up on stage sharing their stories as kind of the inspirers of the day, what, um, in terms of the two kinds of adventures we talked about earlier on, what was the mix of them, of people who were going for big goals and people who are just kind of curious about the world? So, um, for example, in our October events, which is the main expo, we have three simultaneous programs running. And on the main stage, we tend to have women who have really taken quite awe-inspiring and epic challenges. Uh, Sarah Uten has, MBE, has sailed, kayaked, rowed, cycled um, around the world and her story of that challenge is just incredible and while we recognize the majority of women aren't going to maybe go off and have the right um, sequence of events happen in their life to make the same sort of journey or a different sort of journey of the same magnitude um, it's important for them as well and everybody to, to get some inspiration from somebody that think well I, yeah I could achieve that or I could do that so what we tend to have as well as the the main stage or inspiring tales is workshops. And we have two simultaneous programs of workshop running in the main October event. And they will deal with um, things like adventure with family, adventure for mums, um, you know, adventure with dogs. <laughs> we're getting asked for now, so we're going to cover, cover that. <laughs> um, but they will deal with um, accessible adventure and make adventure more inclusive to, to all women, no matter where they are. So it's, it's a bit of a ladder and you can, start here and you'll challenge yourself a bit more and you'll challenge yourself a bit more. So we, we definitely have a whole variety of women doing a variety of things from writing and drawing about their travel experiences to 
setting, you know, quite incredible world records. Something for everyone. Yeah. And so of the people who are in the audience, when they give you their feedback about kind of what they learn or what inspired them or what they, you know, what they've been moved to think or see differently, what surprised you about the things that you heard? Um, I think probably the biggest surprise, was just, certainly after the first year, was just the amount of feedback we had. Um, you know, it was it was fantastic. And um I probably wasn't quite prepared for how quickly people would actually undertake the challenge and actually make changes in their life. And I, in our 2015 first event, um, there was a, a lady called Ali Mahoney who came and was in the audience, who was a participator, and through other ideas she already had as well. And I think coming to Expo and having that boost of inspiration, she decided to go off and take her on a rather epically long cycle, which was quite incredible, from um, Wales down to France. And, you know, it was it was amazing that we had been part of the mechanism that had inspired her to do that. And uh, um, you can go on our website, actually, because we have a, a blog from Ali on there. And then in 2016, we invited Ali back and we got her to lead a workshop um, looking at the psychology of you know, long distance adventures and, and so on. So, you know, it's a real community in the sense, and, and women quite quickly feel that, um, you know, you can come and you can meet people. And if you don't want to adventure alone, I guarantee you're going to meet someone there that will want to adventure with you. Um, and I wasn't quite prepared for how much those connections and network would build. Mm. Um, I guess I haven't thought about it too much, but now I do realize that, you know, it's, it's something we want to grow and it's, it's a very powerful thing to be a conduit to which people meet and and help one another. Yeah, it's fantastic. What kind of an impact? What kind of an impact has it had on you personally? Like seeing all those sparks flying when people are, you can see them being inspired in front of your eyes. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and you know, it's, it goes full circle. So I am as well. <laughs> um, I have met some amazing women that I just would never have had the opportunity to meet before doing this and you know I was quite a sort of tomboy at school and I wasn't somebody who enjoyed being in groups of women you know somebody suggested going on a group toilet trip when we were out or something I'd run the other mile you know (laughs) I've never really felt comfortable in large groups of women um so to be in the position now where you know I've co-founded something which is 95 percent female is it's quite surprising <laughs> but um I love it and I'm I personally am really getting in touch with um a feminine side to myself a strong feminine side that um was probably always there but hadn't really been nurtured before so just being around women who take on challenge head on and are unstoppable and well we're going to make this happen we'll find a way and um, those positive sort of fighting spirits and attitude, um, it, it, it strengthens you completely because you're surrounded by people who have a can-do attitude all the time and um, who are not afraid to be women, who are not afraid um, of everything that encompasses being feminine and being tough. It's not a problem. We just do it all. Um, so it's definitely enriched my life and it's enriched me being um, a stronger female without a doubt. That's fantastic. And I think it's the same in in any um, kind of sphere. Like you're obviously talking about adventure and a lot of physical um, outdoor adventure. Um, But it's often the case with creativity, for example. You know, people spend their whole life being told that, you know, 
what are you doing? How do you think that you can make money out of that? Are you crazy? You know, forget about it. And then suddenly you find yourself in a group of women who are doing it and it's it's like a whole new world opens up. Yeah. So that community is so important, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's, and especially for women, women, we, we work well in groups. Um, and I've realized that, you know, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't a woman who particularly did work well in a group before, but now I have embraced and I've learned to do that. And any woman, whether it's in business, creativity, adventure, mothering, whatever it is that is in your life at the moment that is present in your life, then find like-minded women um, who are there to empower you as well. And and I guess, you know, I, I've come into in contact with a lot of women who I aspire to, and that's really important, I think, um, for, for women to find women that inspire them and fill their lives with, you know, those contacts as well. Um, and yeah, absolutely, it makes a huge difference and you will learn so much about yourself and what you're capable of. <laughs> For sure. And what about the money? Because I think when you talk about an epic adventure, you talk about traveling across countries or whatever, and, and even just the time involved, so you clearly can't be working unless you're being you know, a digital nomad and taking your laptop on the road. I think from what I've seen, the majority of the people who are doing what you're talking about who aren't professional adventurers are taking time out to do it and there's a you know a financial implication of that what do you say to people who see that as a real challenge to being able to do it to to the point where it stops them doing it it is a real challenge and it's one of those areas that we constantly get asked about and I'm pretty sure most good adventure brands that are out there um feel quite a responsibility to share how they've done that um or how they how they manage it. Um, it's not easy. I think when you're following your passion, your motivation is not money. Um, so you, people are prepared to uh, not have things, um, materialistic things, particularly or conventional, um, in order of the pursuit of their passion. There are very few adventurers, male or female, who absolutely make a, a great living from what they're doing. Um, so there's sort of the, the, the adventurers that do take those um, time breaks and so on, I mean, they've all the ones that I know have found jobs, they have found careers where they can make that possible. And if that's always your priority and you're always stretching and pushing to look for the opportunities in the rest of your life that are going to enable you to follow that passion, um, you find a way, definitely people find a way. Um, some people I know do take quite long breaks off work or, or finish a job and then start another at the end of a year adventure or so on. Um, but as for sort of answers, that's, it's not an exact science. A lot of people ask about sponsorship and so on. And there's, um, you know, that's a hugely complex subject as it is, you know, whether you're talking about monetary sponsorships or value in kind sponsorships, or even whether you need sponsorship to, to have an adventure, uh, it seems to be a little bit of a, a precursor that people think you have to be sponsored if you're having an adventure you don't necessarily um so we we had uh, some january workshops back uh last january that that looked at this whole subject and how to build an adventure brand um and it's something that happens very slowly it's not something that happens overnight and you know just as we've kind of grown in in three years people's own personal adventure brands grow in that time as well. And it's mostly collaboration. It's mostly about meeting people and and how one thing leads to another and, and leads to another partnership or a collaboration. And it's building, building, building with your contacts all the time that um, really enables people to 
to make it happen. I think it's also really important what you said there about just making your passion a priority. When you're making the big decisions about your life, whether it's, you know, which, whether you take the apartment that costs this much rent or this much rent, whether it's, you know, you negotiate a part-time role instead of a full-time role, whether it, you know, whether it's you train yourself so you can, you know, do writing from the road or, or whatever it is, is actually having it in your mind as you're making your big decisions and making it priority rather than trying to fit it around everything else as the last thing on the list that you consider. I think that's really important, isn't it? Yeah. Most of the people that I know that are having great adventures and have a job, the job comes second. <laughs> you know, they, they do. It is their priority, as you sort of picked up on. And that's the focus. And the job is often something that they have that pays the bills and, and does everything else. But um, it's facilitating one part of their life. The adventure is the thing that is really what their life is about. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's it's so important. And, and you need to give yourself the like permission to, to recognise that it's important to prioritise that. Well, before we go, I'd just love to ask you, as somebody who's spent their whole life um, doing all these things and spending a lot of time outside and also spending a lot of time with other people who've inspired you, what does freedom mean to you? Freedom for me, I think, is a, it's that place in my head. So you, you can have this, you know, on a, a moment in a day. It could, it could be something that you feel for three weeks continuously, but it's that space in your head where just like you would physically breathe in and out clear air on the on the side of a mountain, you might imagine that beautiful clear air coming in and out of your lungs. You, your brain, your thought process has that same clear feeling. Um, and for me, that, that kind of freedom of mind um, comes through a, a variety of things. It can come through realization of something um and and just now you you said giving yourself permission i think that's a lot to do with it giving yourself permission to have that freedom in your head of well i'm allowed to do what i want to do what do i want to do and that's a difficult question itself but um a lot of the time we don't allow ourselves to have freedom i think um just like we don't maybe allow ourselves to have adventure and I think the older I've got, the more I've been able to to look at the things that stopped me from feeling a sense of freedom before. And um, differences, I have allowed myself to put those to one side and I have allowed myself to embrace my own freedom, um, my own clear space. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being such an inspiration to us all. Um, I can't wait to come to the Women's Adventure Expo at some point in the future and hang out with all those amazing ladies. Um, It's brilliant and we all should have more adventure in our lives and ultimately that's you know it's down to opportunity but it's also down to us making that choice like you just said. So thank you so much for your inspiration Rebecca. You're welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to chat to you. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to me, Beth Kempton, in conversation with Rebecca Hughes. You can find out more about Rebecca and the Women's Adventure Expo on womensadventureexpo.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll take what you've heard and use it to inspire your own journey of freedom seeking. I'd love to know what resonated with you and what bold moves you're making as a result. So please share on social media. I'm at Beth Kempton on Instagram or at Do What You Love XX everywhere else. And be sure to check out my website, bethkempton.com, for more tools and resources to support your adventures. 
If you haven't yet read my book, the full title is Freedom Seeker, Live More, Worry Less, Do What You Love, and it's published by Hay House. Treat yourself to a copy today. It might just change your life. So until next time, fly free, my friend. Fly free. Fly free.